Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys yeah. to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make Don't my point. I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. The Cross and Wrestling Entertainment Podcast presented by Clovercrest Media is what you AEW fans have been looking for. Noah Cross and Tyler Bard give their take on every week's episode of Dynamite. If you are a massive AEW fan, then it is time to join us every Sunday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Stay Crossum. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got your missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eighth, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing. Count Punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bring in crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurious curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats, relax if you want the facts. Cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with throwing jabs. Big Jace, Joe Aguirre, Jared Jones, and last week, the return of Conor McGregor, UFC 264. Main event was anticlimactic as Conor McGregor breaks his ankle. <laughs> Poirier gets the win by Dr. Stoppage first round. Joe, is Dustin Poirier the best lightweight in the world right now? Well, ever since Khabib Nurmagomedov retired, he is. And I've been saying that this entire time. I said it for the first Conor fight. I said it for the second Conor fight. And I definitely believe that to be true at this point. Um, dude, this guy's done. Then the whole thing was when he fought Conor the first time. What did I tell you? I mean, Conor's been sitting around doing other things, not fighting mixed martial art events. You know, Um Outside of the Donald Cerrone fight, I mean, he's done nothing in the UFC since 2016. That's this isn't the kind of sport where you could just show up and and you're gonna beat a guy like Dustin Poirier who's been doing nothing but fighting and beating everybody, not Khabib. It, that's the best in the lightweight division. So you know, it, it, I don't think Conor McGregor's done. I really don't. Oh, I think no, Conor... I'm ready for I'm ready for another Footloose remake. <laughs> Listen, if if Connor ever decides to take this thing seriously like he did back in 2014, 15, 16 when he was dominating uh, the UFC, he could get back to it. I, I I mean, it seems to me and the people around uh, people that know what's going around talk about the money just ruined this guy. Mm. He's, you know, the best punch he threw was in that bar in Dublin a few years ago. He really hasn't landed much since. And it's it's sad for Connor, but listen, you, you you're not going to go into camp for three months and think that you're going to beat a guy 
who's been dominating literally for the last four or five years now. Yeah, Yeah. living it. I agree with all of that, Joe. Very well said. And I'm glad you touched on the psychological part because um, it's it's, it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs that I talk about all the time. If you read about Conor McGregor, back back then Conor McGregor started fighting on undercard shows, fighting dudes for 50 bucks and stuff, and and, uh, how his girl stuck with him through all of it. You read about that and you try to imagine how hungry that guy would be. Versus how hungry this guy would be after a fight with Floyd. It's not the same guy. It's still Conor McGregor. He can still fight. And if he would, like you said, if he was as committed, maybe he could compete on that level. But this isn't a game you can do that. You don't take a year off. You don't take. That is one of the key things I look at when I do the puncher's chance and try to pick these fights is uh, is like weight. Have they come up or down? Most of the rest of the stuff you can tell by numbers, but the last time they fought, how many times have they fought in the last three years? Well, the developmentally trajectory, this is not the same guy and it's never gonna be because we can't make him broke again. If we want that Connor back, we have to find a way to make him broke again. And it's not likely to happen until he's too old to entertain us with his fighting skills. A la... Mike Tyson or Roy Jones? Yeah, I do think it is, there's a lot that's taken Conor McGregor's focus off fighting, but when Cerrone was fighting at welterweight, he kept asking Dana, hey, I want to fight at lightweight because he, you need a full tra- camp. The weight cut makes it more serious. I, I think McGregor is a great featherweight, and I, I think that's what he needs to do to get back in the swing of things. But is that going to happen? Probably not. This guy's going to go fight one of the Paul brothers, or he's going to go fight uh, Nate Diaz again. The, 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 the fact that Conor McGregor, like, fanboys are saying, oh, he looked really good round one in the set, in that last fight, and he looked really good until his ankle broke. Dude, you were on the ground. That, that guillotine was nothing. Stop huffing copium. Like, McGregor's done. He's washed up. Nothing's meaningful. He's not going to have a meaningful fight unless he – I don't know. It's ridiculous. Stuff like this, I I just don't like McGregor. I I used to love him. I I was on his – I rooted for him against Mayweather, but now he's just making a joke of the sport. I I talked about it last week. He's just messing with anything. Poirier – Dana White's talking about a fourth fight between these guys. No. Poirier, go fight Charles Oliveira. Get the belt. You're the best lightweight right now. Go do that. McGregor has to prove himself. Max Kelman said said something very, very interesting right at the end of that fight. And that was, this is the best thing that could have happened for Conor McGregor. And I completely agree with him. That fight keeps going on. He gets smashed. He was getting dominated everywhere. Jace, I agree with you. The stuff he landed that people are going, oh, did you see that? And then it's my leg was broken here. My leg was broken there. We're arguing about when the leg was broken. This is just a big waste of time. Let's talk about traffic or weather or something. This is stupid. You guys had a fight. You lost. You'd lose another fight. But since it ended the way it did, Those fanboys you're talking about, Jace, they're alive, they're breathing, they're out there, and they will pay to see another fight between these two. And and it's going to go the same way where Poirier just gets dominated. Dude, Connor sitting on the floor 
after the fight with his foot in an air splint like a Batman villain. This isn't over yet. I mean, he... That was... My favorite part of the entire night. I would have got have away been, with it if it wasn't for my meddling shin. <laughs> pretty much, dude. But uh, when when Joe Lee Poirier walked into that ring and walked one side to the other with her finger facing Connor, that was pretty fun. That that made my uh, that made my entire night. Um, as you said, look, uh, Khabib says to stay champ, you got to train all year round, not just when there's fights coming up. There's a reason why Justin Gaethje. Is it a champion? Because when Justin Gaethje doesn't have a fight, Justin Gaethje eats garbage. He likes hamburgers and ice cream, and he puts on 30 pounds. Yep. Okay? My orga. Yeah, I, I, bet, I bet you never see Khabib eating hamburgers. He ain't eating ice cream. He is now. Because now he can. He ain't got to fight. after the fight. That's it. There you go. Yes, sir. Uh, three of Connor's last four fights have hen- ended him with him laying flat uh, in the ring. That's the results are not there to the Connor fanboys. You guys understand that, that uh, as good as that left hand is, uh, he's abandoned a lot of what made him good. He's still trying to be a boxer and this isn't boxing. If you want to go be a boxer, that there's a whole sport dedicated to just the throwing of hands. Go do that. But if you're serious about this, you got to start training. I mean, if he wants to, if he wants to reclaim glory, right? He's got like three good years left in him. Then he's north of thirty-five, and but he's then got to go back to the basement. He's got to yeah. throw it all out like Rocky did in Rocky three or four. Yeah. I thought Rocky four, where he threw it all out. I'm not a celebrity anymore. I'm just a piece of dirt down at the bottom of the pile, and I got to fight my way back up to the top, and it's hard for a champion to do that. You don't stay hungry. One of my, one of my favorites here, too, is, and, and Connor definitely fits this, fits this mold, but uh, um, I always compare, for some reason, Bernard Hopkins and Chad Dawson, um, a guy with, uh, like, just barely above average talent and athleticism versus a guy with otherworldly talent and athleticism. But one of them used that otherworldly talent and athleticism to kind of just ride the trajectory out until age took it away from them. And the other one just kind of honed and refined those technical skills so that Hopkins was competitive with the best of the best into his 40s because he's making those adjustments. Connor is not hungry and not making those adjustments. His timing in that Aldo fight, he doesn't have that anymore. That's not there. His power, when he jumped up to fight Nate Diaz, it was still there, but Nate was too big. That has faded a little bit. The skill set isn't there, so the hunger would have to be. Or, I mean, this guy could lose eight out of his last ten fights. He'll get a rematch with Cerrone on the way out his door. You know, but I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in watching this guy fight at this level. If Tyson wants to fight Anthony Joshua, go to a gym and do it as a sparring session. I don't want to be at this level watching this guy fight anymore. No, thank you. Poirier dominated him and would dominate him again if these guys fought every day for the next five years. McGregor's winning 10%. Maybe Poirier will run through this guy regularly at will when he's up for the fight, and he's always up for a fight. 
Jared, Khabib said if they fought 100 times that he thinks Poirier beats McGregor all 100. Yeah. Connor, by the way, by the way, Connor's 33 years old today. And with the injury probably coming up on age 34 when he makes his return, if he does, to the UFC. And 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 I'll tell you what, you you just brought up something, uh, Jared, that I wouldn't mind seeing. I wouldn't mind seeing Connor and Cerrone again. I'd love to see the third fight with Nate Diaz. I, again, I think all of those guys are on the way out. I mean, if these guys all want to sort of hang around, play gatekeeper, you know, get beat up by the up-and-comers and then beat each other up in the interim, settle some scores, great. Those great. aren't scrub scraps yet. Yeah, not they're quite. Undercard. They're, they're, they're undercards for sure, not, dude. But I mean, yeah. Scrubs, yeah. You get me McGregor and Ferguson? McGregor and Diaz? Oh, God. I would enjoy those fights. I would enjoy the press conferences immensely more than the probably actual fighting. <laughs> those would be very entertaining fights. So, sure, there, there's still a place for this guy, but it's not fighting the elites. Um, I think Charles Oliveira would destroy conor mcgregor at this oh, point God, yeah. i don't even oh, think it would be fair he wouldn't get out of the first round against charles Oliver. he wouldn't so he's got a lot of work to do or he needs to to move on to greener pastures elsewhere yeah i i think the only way it sucks because conor mcgregor is such a big name he's always going to be quote-unquote relevant but to be like actual relevant in the sport itself he, he can't do that in boxing. He, he's done with it in MMA. You can talk a lot of crap. How about you go talk to old Vince McMahon? Because, hey, head, headlining WrestleMania, who wouldn't pay to see Conor McGregor headline WrestleMania? That's that's your future. Because if you want to succeed, the problem you're is not going to succeed in MMA or boxing. The problem I have with that is the mystique. Yes, Conor would like to would would uh probably sell tickets much as Rousey has but can you imagine if Rousey left a year earlier from UFC and went to MMA everybody would still be making the argument that she'd kill anybody on the planet in a fight and all the theatrics would make sense these people getting knocked out four out of their last five fights and then going to the WWE where you're the biggest baddest nobody can ever beat me rah rah all the theatrics you've kind of lost the mystique that goes along with those theatrics um and i kind of agree with tony i'd i'd uh if if uh jake paul gets past woodley why not mcgregor paul we're do they're doing scrub scraps is what they're doing they're doing a secondary boxing league where we line these guys up let's keep it fair though let's try to keep it fair and uh and they're entertaining. They're as entertaining blow for blow as the fights we're watching with the best fighters in the world. That's all we need to do is separate the two. That's all that really needs to happen here is separating the two. But I'm okay with that. Beat Woodley, then go beat McGregor. And I think Jake Paul could. He might do both of those things. Because he's in that Dustin Poirier mindset as a boxer. And I don't mean to stroke this guy because I this guy's ego because I'm not a huge fan. But he's working at boxing how you have to work at boxing to be great at it. He got a little bit of a late start, but he loves the game. It's what he wants to do, and he's picking out guys that make sense for him to fight. And he wins both of those fights. Maybe he gets a real boxer sooner or later, and I think those real boxers beat him up. But it's entertaining. It's entertaining. We need to strip the entertainment value out of this and give it to the general public. 
Do you remember when the United States didn't talk to North Korea at all? There was just nothing. And Donald Trump obviously met with the, the King Jong-un. And what many people said the worst part of doing that was what it did was le legitimize the guy. And what these MMA fighters are doing right now with Jake Paul, kind of like you're saying here, they, they've legitimized this guy. People keep coming to fight him and he keeps winning. And I'm not a fan either, but the guy's legit and he knows how to box. And as long as he's fighting fighters who kind of know how to box, he's actually got a leg up on them. And I think you're right. I think he will beat Woodley. And I think if he fights McGregor next, he'd probably beat Connor in a boxing match because this guy's trying to win boxing matches. This guy's not trying to prove a point. And so there's a, a big difference between those. Uh, Connor's motivation for this fight was because he got humiliated in the last fight. Yeah. That's not oh, a good yeah. reason. That's not a good reason to fight somebody. And and it probably does means you're not going to win that fight either. And no. well, he proved it. Yeah. In the worst possible way that there is. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, mean sure to getting knocked out cold. Sitting there with your with your ankle dangling off the end of your leg is a really bad look in a fight. Literally and like also, a villain in a superhero movie. Ah, oh, this isn't over. <laughs> to make it worse, he's saying, "No, I, my my ankle was perfectly fine." And then a couple days after, he's like, "Nah, I came in with a messed up ankle before. Uh, it was all in training, so it, it makes no sense." But he sounded a little like Deontay Wilder. I'm waiting, which, for, I'm waiting for Connor to say he was poisoned. Yeah, speaking of which, let's go from one rubber match to the other. As Fury versus Wilder 3 gets postponed after Tyson Fury has an outbreak of COVID in his camp. It's moved to October 9th. How do you, Joe, how do you expect this to impact the fight? Well, I said Fury was going to destroy Wilder. But now what I've also said was on many shows over the past year and a half that guys who get COVID in all sports do not seem to return to the level they were beforehand. And if, if I'm not mistaken, and Tony is watching, he can correct me, I think only one UFC fighter who got COVID and came back has won a fight over the last year. I've been I know. I'm, I'm almost positive. Tony, just t tell me who that was because we've been over this. And so, yeah, I'm a little worried now for Tyson Fury because, again, we still don't know anything about this virus other than that it doesn't kill a ton of people. We do know that. But uh, Leon Edwards, there you go. The only guy who tested positive and ended up coming back and then winning his fight. No one else has done that. So I, I've got to be got to be really concerned about this right now. Uh, you know, uh, he's not a necessarily a power guy i would be definitely concerned if if we were talking wilder because then i would be like well now he's got nothing <laughs> um so i do think this will affect the fight you know hopefully when when fury comes out we'll, we'll talk more about it come october but yeah i'm i'm pretty concerned for tyson fury right now just in terms of you know i i do think this thing's going five six seven eight eight rounds um or, or anticipated it would go something to that effect. And, and yeah, now the stamina thing really concerns me because, again, that seems to be uh, what does these guys in is they, they just don't quite have that stamina anymore.
Yeah, there was uh there was one more LFA or Bellator W. I've been paying attention since you said that, but it's a really lot to a really little. The numbers are are staggering for for fighters coming back from COVID. Yeah, and that uh for the impact on the fight for me made it a no bet. Uh, I went from put your money on Fury to I'm a little too nervous to put it anywhere. Could we see while they're losing a Fury going crazy? with some weird excuse, and now we got Fury. Say he loses the Wilder, he's got the COVID excuse. So we're probably going to have round four. But, uh, I mean, I, I do think if that happens. But I, I still think – I mean, we aren't last year anymore. We've People have studied COVID. They've done research. I, I think we're, we're far enough along. I think Fury's going to be okay. Uh, I, I think uh, also, I mean, with boxing, the handlers, they, they make sure everyone's okay. So I, I feel like. Yeah, but Conor McGregor up. had multiple fractures in his leg, especially in that ankle before the fight. Why did the trainers let him out? And I said, boxing, boxing takes care of their handlers. Dana White doesn't care. He just wants money. Boxing, their guy yeah, needs but to I'll, win. But, I, you know, if I had the bet. Jared, maybe you could help me out here, but I would bet if the Nevada, the Nevada uh, the Boxing Commission knew a fighter had multiple fractures in his legs pre-fight, is that something that they would go for? Uh, yikes. Depending on the severity, I think... Uh... I mean, I've got, I've got multiple to the point where multiple to the point where he walked around on it for five minutes and it broke by itself without uh, Dustin checking it or anything. It's amazing how that, how badly, how many, everybody cut, everybody cut. (laughs) Dude, like, like in the movie ice age, like the, the, the ice starts cracking in his leg, like the shins cracking and it just keeps going. (laughs) Then eventually the whole thing, the whole continental shift. I uh yeah, I'm not buying any of that nonsense. No, I know that that's a that's a huge payday, so I wouldn't I wouldn't overlook the idea that people would be able to overlook more than they would maybe on an undercard fight, uh due to injury we canceled the fight. You know, you find this out 3 weeks before the fight and you've got 50 million people and 50 million dollars riding on it. Uh, well, can you walk on it? Like, how does it feel? <laughs> you know. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past uh, human beings to to relax their morals a little bit when there's that much money involved. That's my that's my honest answer. See, the, the thing that Dana White, it's UFC versus UFC in every fight. With this, it's it's the zone versus Showtime. So the, the the zone guys are going to make sure that their guy is a hundred percent. So, yeah, I, but I'm, how do you? But how do you know that your guy doesn't have stamina? How do you know no, your guy that, can't that go twelve round until you put him in a ring and you try to go twelve? Yeah, yeah. And at the third round, he's like, "Man, I'm gassed," and you're like, "Oh, geez." Well, and so, I agree with that Tony comment too. That this is this is playing on people's lack of like you're not fooling any us three with this stuff. Wilder and McGregor and and these conspiracy theories you're not fooling us with it but the average boxing fan you know oh I had it broken going into the fight and they don't know they're just riding with whatever whatever sounds right to them no sure if you're a Connor fanboy he's giving you all the things to argue on Facebook with 
He's giving you all the all the excuses you need. Yeah, yeah. Fire up those those McGregor groups. You know, all he needs to do now is in, in like a dark hotel room, film himself saying, "Oh, who's his coach? Tom Cavanaugh broke my ankle before my fight." <laughs> He was Big checking my God. knee for reflexes, and he started hitting a little too low and a little too hard. Yeah. I knew it. Oh, my goodness. You just imagine he's just cracking him in the shins over like, yeah, I'm not seeing anything, kind of. Not sure Seems like your reflexes, your nerves might be a little shot. <laughs> Another great point by Tony, by the way. Uh, most people don't know that the commissioner of the boxing commission, the referee, and the opposing trainer are all there and all sign their names on hand wrappings before the fight starts. Then it's taped with the signatures on it. That way, if you mess with it, there's your evidence. So again, any any um any shenanigans like that, it just doesn't jive out. I don't think they would have sent Conor McGregor out with multiple chin fractures in his legs. Well, and that, especially and that, knowing the, the the beating he took in the last fight with leg kicks. Well, and that he, Tony reiterates his other point. You know, if you picture a hand being wrapped in a wrist wrap and then taped up and gauze and all the tape and then signed by two or three people, then put into a glove, taped again, signed again. How did you get in there? Like I, I, I've had my wrist wrap before. There's no, there's nope. You're not fondling with that. And like you said, there's somebody from the other team standing right there doing it. The miscounts at some of the elections. Well, your team was was there for some of these. You don't stand up. 17, 24, 28. Hey, what are you doing there? You know, if you're on the other team, you're not sliding it under the door with them, and that's. That's kind of what you're claiming if you're Wilder. And then somebody walked over with a cup and was like, hey, Mark Breland, uh, get this <laughs> Wilder between rounds. It's a uh, special elixir. <laughs> Here's Greg Hardy's inhaler. <laughs> Slip it in there after the second round. Uh, I mean, that is – it is really the difference between casual and hardcore fans. We know that all that stuff goes on, but a casual fan, they, they see the, fight, the fighter – talking about this and, and that to them is a like that's a reliable source even though the fighter is on something's up with their head but uh, although to be fair to the casuals i will say this i've had a lot of arguments with people about wilder fury three and the, what the results will be and not one single person has ever said well you know in the first fight he was poisoned no one's relying on that i don't think even the biggest wilder fans feel comfortable using that in an argument no <laughs> yeah yeah so but all right let's move on we're sticking in the realm of boxing with who you got now i, I hate to do this but the paul brothers they brought back the idea of celebrity boxing a month ago there was a card of tiktokers versus youtubers now there's a, a card of reality show people from big brother united states versus big brother canada and I, i'm not buying these fights i don't know who the hell's buying these fights what two celebrities if they fought would you be intrigued by joe you know i hate this but i did give it a lot of thought uh because i hate it so much 
And I really racked my brain and I thought, now I get to make this fight no matter what, right? I'm just making this fight and and I think everybody would want to see it. And I will tell you this, it's been this the idea for this was inspired by my eight-year-old daughter, who is a big fan of the movie Sing Two, and featured in that song is Taylor Swift's Bad Blood. I would like them to settle the score here. Katy Perry. Taylor Swift, nice. Bad Blood Two, this shit's for real. I would let I that would be what I would name it. It would be awesome. Nice. Uh, I'm thinking like Selena Gomez, and I don't know what's the uh, Ariana Grande on the undercard, yeah, yeah. just because I always thought that was the same person. I want to nice. see them in a in a ring together, so I know. It's and two who different wins? People. This is the spirit. Of who you got? Who wins those fights, Joe? Well, I gotta tell you. I think Katy Perry looks tough. I think Taylor Swift, even though she's kind of, you know, tries to act like she's, a, I think, I, I think she's a faker. I really do. I think push comes to shove. I think Katy Perry would wreck her. Oh man. Give me the girl who, who grew up on the farm. I don't know. There's just something about, uh, also, about Taylor Swift's like seven feet tall. Katy man. Perry's such a dark horse in this fight. Oh, <laughs> I can't nice. help. But yes. take her. Yeah. Yes. This fight would be a firecracker for sure. That's all for I'm saying. Sure. None of this is written down, by the way. I didn't write any of this down. It's all coming right now. And what about the undercard? You had Ariana Grande and Selena Gomez. Oh, who I don't know that? which one slept with Justin Bieber, but that one's got to get beat up. <laughs> Whichever one that was. Jude, we got. Um, for me, I didn't want that. I wanted fighting to be different than mystique. I want, um, I want McLovin from Superbad to fight love it. and beat Mike Tyson or something like that. This is the, this is the top of Mike Tyson's a fighter, you know, the rock, if he couldn't fight. Um, so I'm looking for somebody with that mystique and then somebody without it that I think could beat him up. And what I came up with is Ed Sheeran for the win over Drake. All right. Ed Whoa. Sheeran versus Drake. I like that. Ed Sheeran wins. It, why does Ed Sheeran win? This is a tougher guy. Just the tougher guy. And you'd you'd sleep that. You'd look at him and go, oh, give me the tough guy. It's the whole idea of Scrub Scraps. The whole concept was built on the guy you look at in the tight-ass shirt with the long hair and booty chin. He's just giggling his stuff. And then the big brody. And that guy, the first guy, knocks the second guy out fast. So that's something that I was looking for. Somebody you would think is tough that isn't. You know, a lot of these rappers, these hardcore rappers, you put them in a ring. Just like I said about the WWE, they lose their mystique. I'll bash his face and I'll pistol whip him. And I'll do this and I'll do that. And then you find out they can't fight at all. Do you guys <laughs> remember Ed when Sharon would beat up half of them? Do you guys remember That's when uh, when 50 Cent threw out that first pitch? <laughs> yes. I yeah. lost you. all respect for 50 Cent that day. I, If his music comes on, I'd change it now. That's You were done. That was that. 
tough oh, yeah. guy. That's how you throw a baseball? Mm. <laughs> Gangster. Um, real quick, James, before you go, I, I saw a couple of your uh, decent ones in the comments. Uh, Michael J. White versus Jason like Statham from Xander. Uh, Michael Tony J. Says, White beats him up, though. There's there's some of these guys can fight. The Rock could kill Vin Diesel. He's like twice his whoa, size. Whoa, whoa, Jason Statham can fight, dude. He has a professional kickboxing career before getting on the movies. Doesn't Michael J. White have no? He does. He does. No. Yeah. They, they both do. But but that's a good fight. That's a good fight. How big? How big is Jason Statham? Yeah, I, I I don't know. But you can't just gloss over the fact that Jason Statham has fight experience. That's all I'm saying. Don't just he ain't no schmuck. But for mine, I'm a big comic book guy. Biggest comic book battle, Marvel versus DC. And for DC, I'm going to pick Superman, Henry Cavill. He trains Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and boxing. So he, he, he's got some background. And then I'm going to pick Star-Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy, Chris Pratt. Same deal. He's a big MMA guy, too. He trains a little bit here and there. I, that's fun. Marvel versus DC, two biggest superhero franchises ever. You got Superman versus Star Lord. Easy to promote, easy to make. It'll be fun to watch. How about a four-person round robin of J Lo's ex-husbands? <laughs> nice. Yes. See, this is the spirit of who you got. This is what I was looking for. It just occurred to me. I'm thinking like. A-Rod versus Affleck, Chris Judd versus Diddy, and then you square them off in a in a in the winner meets winner fight. They could even yeah. have a consolation fight. You get some of the oh. kids or whatever. I was thinking uh, tournament of Karen's, you know, Victoria's <laughs> Secret Karen, or Vegan Karen, you know. Carol's wiry, I don't know. <laughs> I could go for that. I'd go for tournament style. These if you're doing good. that, sign me up. Stuff over here about Jason Statham and Drake and stuff. Uh, their their ca careers of uh, of well, of I forgot, fights. I forgot a husband, Mark Anthony. I forgot a husband, my bad. Yeah, Statham and White might be a better fight than I thought at first. Yeah, yeah. you know, what I'm looking at it. It was funny. I, I knew Statham fought. I, I, I. I wasn't sure what uh what Michael J. White and I looked him up and immediately I was like, Oh yeah, okay, Spawn. Any day now. Yeah, this guy's got oh, some yeah. yeah, that would be a great fight. Yeah, good job, Sandra. That's a good one. I thought, yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. All right. Now let's talk about some real fights. Starting off with UFC tonight, UFC fight night. Make uh, Islam Makachev versus Diago Moses Moises. Now, Joe, let's hear what you got to say. Saturday night at UFC Vegas 31 inside the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada lightweights Islam Mahakev and Brazilian prospect Diago Moises square off in the main event. Let's break it down. Diago Moises is 26 years old. He's five foot nine with a 70 and a half inch reach fighting out of Coconut Beach, Florida. The Sao Paulo, Brazil native is 15 and four with three knockouts and six submissions. The lefty Thiago began training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the age of 18, hoping to be like his dad, also a professional mixed martial artist. 
He made his professional MMA debut May 19th of 2012, amassed a 501 record before signing with Resurrection Fighting Alliance. He would dominate RFA and the Legacy Fighting Alliance before being invited to Dana White's Contender Series Brazil 3, knocking out Gleitson Marias and earning a spot in the UFC. He made his UFC debut against Benil Dariush on November 20th, 2018 and lost via a unanimous decision. He would lose two of his first three before beating Michael Johnson in May of 2020 via a heel hook submission in round two. Moises faced Bobby Green at UFC Fight Night 181 in October of 2020, winning the fight via unanimous decision. In his last fight, Moises faced Alexander Hernandez in February of this year at UFC Fight Night 186. He won that fight by unanimous decision. Moises is a pressure fighter who uses a high guard to avoid getting hit. He's an excellent counter-striker who uses Muay Thai kicks to keep the distance. Islam Mahakev is 29 years old. He's 5'10 with a 70.5-inch reach and comes in 19-1 with three knockouts and eight submissions. Born in Makakala, Dagestan, he trained and competed in combat sambo. Islam actually grew up with Khabib Nurmagomedov and still trains with him to this day. Islam won gold at the World Combat Sambo Championship in 2016. Mahakiv made his M1 global debut against Tenji's Kuchua on February 12, 2011 and won that fight via KO in the first round. He'd win four more fights before signing a four-fight contract with the UFC in October of 2014. He made his debut in May of 2015 at UFC 187, submitting Leo Kuntz in the second round. After a first-round technical knockout at the hands of Adriano Martins at UFC 192, the UFC announced prior to his next fight in April of 2016 that Mahakev had filled an out-of-competition drug screening. Islam returned to face Chris Wade that September of 2016 at UFC Fight Night 94 and picked up a unanimous decision win. He was expected to face Michael Prezaris on September 2nd, 2017 at UFC Fight Night 115, but pulled out of the fight the beginning of August for religious reasons. Mahaka faced Gleason Tabayu on January 20th of 2018 at UFC 220 and scored a knockout 57 seconds into the very first round. After a submission win over Cajun Johnson via armbar, Makakev was expected to face Francisco Trinaldo in January of 2019 at UFC 233, but pulled out that November for undisclosed reasons. He returned in April of 2019 with a unanimous decision win over Armand Sirkoyan and earned the Fight of the Night award. Makakev matched up with Davy Ramos September 7, 2019 at UFC 242, winning that fight by unanimous decision. He was scheduled to face Alexander Hernandez in April of 2020, but had to cancel due to COVID travel restrictions. And a fight with Rafael Dos Anjos in October of 2020 at UFC 254 was canceled after Dos Anjos first tested positive for COVID-19. Then Makakev was forced to also pull out due to a staph infection. In his last fight, he faced Drew Dauber March 6, 2021 at UFC 259, winning that fight via an arm triangle choke submission in the third round. Despite being a lifelong wrestler, he uses strong leg kicks to find the distance and uses feints and his jab to set up an attack up the middle. Can Thiago Moises defend the takedowns and use his Brazilian jiu-jitsu to pull out a submission win? Or will Islam Makakev's wrestling in size 
proved to be too much as he continues to climb up the lightweight division to that title shot. Khabib Nurmagomedov insists he will win. Tune in to UFC Vegas 31 for Islam Makakev and Thiago Moises. Let's find out. Jared, who do you have coming out victorious in this lightweight main event? Uh, Makachev. Hasn't lost a fight in six, seven years. Um, the And the only fight he lost, he was knocked out. The guy had 35 fights. It was a... Uh, um, you know, we've all been clipped like that. I got stopped in one of my scrub scraps. Got 36 fights. I got stopped once. It happens. Um, the other guy, Moses, lost uh, uh, four of his last nine. So both good fighters, but Makhachev's on a on another level here. This is this is this is uh this will be a dominant performance. Hey, Moses, puncher's chance. But uh, Makhachev's the bet, for sure. Yeah, he was, uh, he's been trying to get better fights and better names. And I was just reading yesterday, nobody wants to fight him. And he wants to fight because he doesn't, he doesn't want to take off long stretches. And so this really is a tune-up for him. Um, he's hoping to, to get a shot at Dos Anjos next uh, so that he can get somebody in the top five and make his move to the top. So, yeah, I, I he's too big and too strong. Uh, Moisey's last fight was against a guy similar to that, and he handled them, but uh, the guy certainly didn't have the skill set uh, of Islam. So I, yeah. Islam is a beast. He's, when you've got the endorsement of Khabib, that just speaks for itself. Also, having Khabib in his corner, Khabib's a really good coach. Since his retirement, he's become one of the head coaches at uh, AKA, the American Kickboxing Academy, where he was training. So, I mean, this dude's a beast. I, I think he just dominates it. The, the, the Dagestani people are just built different. I, I Maybe Moises throws in a submission and catches him off guard. Maybe. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. The, the real problem I have with this is who the hell I, – I get it, but really who the hell are these guys? They haven't really fought anyone. Well, why is this the main event? You have Misha Tate coming out of retirement, former bantamweight champion, and you're going to put her at the co-main event? This She's the 35th ranked bantamweight in the world. I, I don't care if she's a former champ. Female. She's a former champ. I think you need to put some respect on – if you're going to have Conor McGregor, who hasn't done anything for years, main event a pay-per-view – Misha Tate can't main event a fight night. She can, she can, but she's not going to pull the numbers. And, and Makachev and numbers. Well, he's Khabib's boy. Yeah, you're trying to draw on that on that on that Khabib popularity. Because I'll tell you what, I mean, dude, he's been around since 2015, and he's been Khabib's boy the whole time. And it's shocking that uh, you know his popularity hasn't really risen at all. So, no, I don't know. I, I do. Get I get that. what you're saying. Misha Tate should be should have been the headliner, but uh, I mean, they could have co-main evented this and and gone that route. I still don't think you would have been pushing the Tate fight as the primary fight, though. I I, I with such, I get it coming off such a big like UFC. It's 
makes sense that there's going to be a dip. Because, I mean, all the good fights were on that pay-per-view. But I, I just don't get it from a marketing standpoint. If you're going to go, okay, Makachev brings the Khabib audience. But doesn't ta- wouldn't Tate bring the, the Rousey audience? It's, it's, hey, hey, you, you, we don't have um, access to the analytics that these guys have access to. But I guarantee you the answer to your question is no. Because if she could pull those numbers, her name would be on the on the poster. She would be the. You're telling me they went back there, crunched all the numbers, looked at all the trending statistics, and had their top analytics numbers. Guys, look at this, and decided to put the less popular and less money making fight as the men. No way. No way. I like Makashev too. I think this guy can really, really fight. Um, and deserves deserves this main event. And I also think the numbers would support it because if they didn't, they wouldn't be doing it like that. I I love the Misha Tate-Renault fight. I, I love that fight. I agree with you. It's a main event type fight and uh, probably even more recognizable than, than the guys in the main event. But you'd have to be wrong because Trilla. <laughs> They're going to sell us whatever we'll buy, dude. You know, so... The answer's got to be no. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Misha wins this fight. Starts lining herself up in the top 10. We'll see her on a we'll see her on a main event. Yeah. Well, I just say that's I'm just more excited for that fight. I if Islam if that first the fight he had with Dos Andros, that should have been a main event cuz Dos Andros is a name. He won that, maybe he does, but I, I I understand he's done really great, but we just had a whole conversation last week about uh the belt and rankings and your greatness doesn't matter if you, you Yeah, but this is his showcase. Fights. This is I, his I showcase. get that. I get that, but I, I just I don't know. But it, it should be interesting. It's gonna be a good fight. Uh, I'll tune in, but I, I guess I as a promoter would have done it differently. But now let's move on from the octagon to the ring as we got a junior middleweight unifying uh, fight. Saturday night, Jamel Charlo versus Brian Castano for the unified junior middleweight championship. Let's break it down. Brian Castano's 31 years old. He's five foot seven and a half with a 67 inch reach and a record of 17-0-1 with 12 knockouts. From Isidro Casanova, Argentina, Castano took up boxing at the age of 11 under the tutelage of his father, Carlos. He won the gold at the South American Games and competed in the 2009 World Amateur Boxing Championships and the World Series of Boxing, picking up wins over future luminaries Errol Spence Jr. and Sergei Derevyachenko. After compiling a record of 181-5-5, he turned pro on September 22, 2012 with a fourth-round TKO over Alejandro Dominguez. He won his next 11 with eight knockouts before knocking out Emmanuel de Jesus with a right cross to the body in round six to win the WBA Super Welterweight title. He followed that up eight months later with a very close split decision over Michael Soro and then dominated Francis Cedric Vitu, stopping him late in the 12th round. 
The following year, he was promoted to regular champion when Demetrius Andrade vacated his belt and defended his title against the always dangerous former champion, Arislandi Lara, retaining his belt with a split decision draw. In June of 2019, the WBA, for purely political reasons, stripped Castano of his belt for not taking a rematch with their mandatory challenger, Cedric Vitu, and in his next fight, he dominated Nigeria's well, Amatoso, who refused to come out for the fifth round. On February 13th, 2021, Castano defeated Brazil's Patrick Teixeira by a 12-round unanimous decision to win the WBO lightweight title. A strong pressure fighter with a high work rate and enormous stamina, Castano was excellent at closing the distance, staying on top of his opponents, and setting up his knockouts with a brutal, concentrated body attack. Jermel Charlo is 31 years old. He's 5'11 with a 73-inch reach and a record of 34-1 with 18 knockouts. From Houston, Texas, Charlo and his twin brother Jermel began boxing his kids when they started following their father to the gym. In 2005, he won a bronze medal in the Junior Olympics, and after massing a record of 56-8, he turned pro in 2007 with a unanimous decision over Corey Somerville. After going 20-0 with 10 knockouts, he defeated Demetrius Hopkins by unanimous decision to win the IBF USBA light middleweight title. He followed that up with a 10th round TKO over Jose Rodriguez, and after solid wins over the likes of Gabe Rosado, Charlie Ota, and Venice Martirosian, he came back from a seven-round deficit to knock out John Jackson with a right and two left hooks in the eighth round to claim the vacant WBC light middleweight title. He made three successful defenses of that belt, including a six-round knockout of Charlie Hatley, a first-round blowout of Erickson Lubin, and a majority decision over Austin Trout. On December 22, 2018, he took on challenger Tony Harrison, losing his title by controversial unanimous decision. He bounced back six months later, knocking out number one contender Jorge Cota with a vicious right to the jaw at the end of the third round. And on December 21st, 2019, won back his title with a dominant display, dropping Harrison three times en route to an 11th round stoppage. In September 2020, he took on WBA and IBF champion Jason Rosario in a highly anticipated unification match, dominating the fight from the start. Charlo scored knockdowns in the first and sixth rounds before dropping Rosario for the count in round eight with a powerful jab to the midsection. Perhaps the most well-rounded junior middleweight in the world today, Charlo is a highly skilled boxer-puncher with a solid one-two and devastating power in both hands. Will Castano's work rate and body attack wear Charlo down? Or will Iron Man's advantage in experience, reach, and power carry him to undisputed glory? Tune in Saturday night for Charlo versus Castano for the Unified Junior Middleweight Championship. Joe, who's walking away with all the belts? Uh, listen, don't sleep on Brian Castano. He's not going to win this fight, um, but I think he's... He's, he's you're, you're gonna see a better fight than I think people are thinking. This guy's a two time champion, uh, had the interim belt 2016 to 2018, works the body really well. Um, doesn't really have uh, blowout kind of power, but he's a good fighter. I just think Jermel Charlo is 
I think he's the 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 top guy in the, the division right now. I'll be honest. Sanders said it uh, a minute ago in the comments. He does deserve a mega fight uh, for sure, and I think he's going to go out there. I'm going to say this fight, Charlo by some sort of knockout, technical knockout in the ninth round. See, this is the thing with that Harrison fight on his, but, but like I, I don't know. I feel like there are times where he like plays down. Yeah, but then and, he came uh, and he blew Harrison out of the water. He's, yeah, I, I think that was but he one needed of those, a, a reality check before that. Jace, yeah, I think it was a good. It was you know when they say a good loss, I think that was a yeah. good loss for Jamel Charlo. I really, really do. And uh, he's been a better fighter since that loss. Yeah, I do agree with that, but I feel I don't know. I I don't want to get back to like the marketing aspect of stuff, but I don't understand how this guy, this Charlo, is the more marketable guy. Yes, he does knock people out and that stuff, but he's still got one guy just outclassing dude. Still doesn't doesn't have a loss like the Harrison loss, but Charlo should win this. But I do think, like what you said, you can't sleep on Cas. Castano, and there are moments where Charlo plays down to his competition. So I, I want to do see it. That happening. Yeah, I, 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 I will know, do it. You're you're not wrong, Jace. If you take Castano here, I certainly won't mock you for it. I mean, I thought a lot about this. This guy's this guy's a really good fighter, and he's the kind of guy who could break down a sleepy fighter. If you're if you're playing around, this guy will will break your body down and make things real difficult late in the fight. Yeah, so I mean, Jared, what do you think? Um, well, any chance we bring up the puncher's chance? Because uh, I'm picking the upset here, Castano by decision. I think he wears this guy down. I think it's a tougher guy than Charlo's ever been in the ring with. And I think he's as, as hungry a guy as he's ever been in the ring with. And um, uh, much like Tank, we're going to find something out about him. He's going to lose one of these. And this is, this is, this is a prime time to, uh, to take it from him. Uh, I, li I like Castano. I like Castano by decision. I don't think he'll be able to stop him. I think it'll be a good fight, but I think he probably wins eight, nine of these rounds. I think uh, Charlo feels him out for the first two, and by the time he realizes he's not as not dominant enough just to figure it out and win all the rest of the rounds, it'll it'll be too late and he'll start trying to come back and wear down. I see uh Charlo kind of being the Loma in a Loma Lopez type of situation where you just get worn out even though you're the better boxer round after round after round and don't have enough steam when you finally turn it up to the volume you need to beat this guy. When Charlo gets to the speed he needs to go to beat Castano He's not going to be able to maintain it for the type of duration that he needs to beat Castano. He better finish him in eight or nine, Joe, because I think this guy can win enough rounds to win the fight. I and think Charlo with the, with the betting, with the odds being as separate as they are, that's the yeah. bet that makes sense to it. Too, yeah. 
uh, you know, so I think, uh, again, my initial comment right off the bat was don't sleep on Castano. This guy's a good fighter. And again, I think he's the kind of guy with the with the body attacks. He's going to make it hard for if Charlo's got to make up ground late, like you said, Loma and Lopez, mm. this, this could become problematic. I think Charlo's going to just try to come out and make a statement. If he, he doesn't, I think he's going to be in trouble. All right. You talked about the betting odds before. Here we go, Jared. Your puncher's chance. There it is. Take Ramiro at minus 400. Emilcar at minus 600. Uh, Emilcar's the best bet here. That's the sure bet. Uh, 60 wins you 10, so it's not very profitable. Risk reward. So here's what we do. We round robin threes and fours. Every combination of three and four for $4 will cost you 20 to play this. And you only need one of those two upsets down the bottom to do more than break even. It's the same type of bet I told you to make last week. This week, your total possible is 210 off of $20 if you win all of these. Um, odds are you'll win three out of four and make a couple bucks. Last week, you made the 14 cents I promised you you would. This is the bet this week. Cost you $20. Major upside. All right. Now, we will take a quick break. And after, we will be back with the Scrub Trap Spotlight. So stay tuned. If the Seattle management isn't give you their time of day, what makes you think that Jerry Jones is going to listen to you? Sometimes they're blowing teams out by ten. Come on now. When they're on, they're on. Again, I'm going to need you to write LeBron a letter, send it to him, and say, Bron, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to hop off your bandwagon. Don't do that. That is through the pot sports. Make sure you check that out. Myself, Joe, Jared, you have yet to be on, right? Yeah, no, I'm. You guys are watching, Sander. Get Jared on there. Well, what the hell are you doing? They know what? better. They know better. <laughs> they don't want that kind of knowledge. I'll infect them. <laughs> uh, uh, and welcome, Raymond. Thank you for joining us for hey, today's thank you for having Scrub me. Spotlight. Ray, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure Ray. to be here. Yeah, my man. This is uh, if I only if I, I I mean, Ray. I don't want to go too far. I have free range. I can talk about whatever I want here. Yes, you can. My man, love you, brother. Um, I love you, brother. If I only got one story to tell to try to give the scrub scrap story, it would be Ray's. Um, and I heard it a couple times third party. Uh, one of. Like I've met strangers will see my T-shirt and go, oh, scrub scraps. I know somebody from that, you know. So I have these like awesome interactions with strangers based on scrub scraps. Um, now, when I was in uh, rehab, I was sitting in a group and there was a there was a female there and we were doing like our check in. And she says, I just got a new apartment. And uh, I looked outside and I saw this guy with no shirt on, short hair. He was out there hitting a heavy bag. I was like, shit, I'm going to go meet the neighbor. And uh, went outside. She's like, we're talking for a while. And then he says my name. And uh, it turns out these two are related, but she doesn't recognize him because the kid she left had long hair over his face and a stutter and, you know, wasn't, wasn't very interactive. Um, so, so she's like, well, 
you know, wow, Ray, it's you? Like, what happened? And he goes on. She starts describing this Scrub Scraps program and this awesome trainer. And I'm sitting on the other side of the room. I got tears running down my face. They finally stop and ask me what's going on. I'm, I'm that trainer that she's talking about right now. Um, and my second one of those was uh, is actually my wife. My wife, we were standing in the kitchen at, in the trailer. And um, you, you'd hung out there, you know, a dozen times maybe. But she finally looked over at you and went, do we know each other? And you were like, yeah, we went to school together. I had long hair over my face and a stutter. Did you have green yep. hair at one point? And she's like, yeah, oh, my God, I know. Yeah, I remember that. This kid, I tell you guys, this kid came so far from when he first walked in to, to where he came to that people didn't recognize him. It was like a completely different person that, that standing up straight and, and I mean, just far and away. Um, if I got to pick one story, the, uh, I've always said in, in your life, the, the only thing that matters more than the heights you attain is the distance you travel. Yep. And your distance traveled is significant. So I'm very, very happy, proud, honored to have you on the show, my brother. Thank you, brother. I'm I'm proud to be here. So um what what would you say? What were those specifically those experiences like when your uh, when your relative recognized you or when Erica recognized you? Um how did that feel to you to uh to for 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 a time have them feeling like you were somebody different when they actually knew you? To to have changed that much to have people not recognize that you're the same person? Until you start talking to them like they know you know them, and they're like, "Oh, wait a minute." Yeah. So it feels pretty weird. It's like it started out, and it's almost like a bad thing. It's like you wonder why don't they remember me, and then you realize it's because you changed for the better. Yeah. And they don't see that old person that you were. They see the new person, and they don't relate him to that person. Mm. So it's a good feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. Very good feeling. For real, for people with uh with with trauma and some of the backgrounds like like you and I have, yeah, um, not being recognized, being recognized for who you are and not who you were is uh can be real like invigorating. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a mixed emotions feeling. I'm not sure what to see it as sometimes, but I enjoy it. It's nice when people recognize that I've changed into a better person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what Scrub do you, uh... is what did that for me. What's up? Yeah, what do you what do, I was gonna ask about scrub scraps? Uh, specifically like coming to the places and the fights, like what are some of the parts you remember? Oh god, what one don't I remember? I remember every one of them vividly, brother. <laughs> it's one of the biggest parts of my life has been scrub scraps. Mm. Mm. Now Changed I remember from a little uh, gangbanging little street hoodlum into someone who had purpose, someone who went into that ring for people to wanna see, not not someone I forced him to see. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it was that early, forcing your way in there. I remember your first fight was uh, Adam, who yep. we didn't know what we were getting from either one of you, but for your guys' background, uh, Adam is our 150-pound, undefeated, 6-0, and re retired Scrub Scraps lightweight champion. Um, and so when we first put him in there together, we didn't know what we were getting, and, and it was... Ray fought so hard and it was such a mismatch, but they, 
they fought yeah. years later. It's a mismatch again. But if you watch the two fights again, you don't realize that it's the same guy. You wouldn't even recognize this kid if I showed him to you years ago. You see him a couple years later and literally standing in the kitchen with my wife, talking to her like he knows her. <laughs> she goes, wait a minute. Do we know each other? Like, why are you talking about? Yeah, we went to school together. Picture long hair over my face and a stutter. And she went. Oh my wow. God, you know, and this is after I've been, we've been working together for a couple of years and just, I mean, that feel, I know that that's, that that's cool and invigorating for you, but you picture that from my side to have taken that kid and you got a good left hand kid, you got a real yeah. good left hand. You develop that jab with the right, you're a southpaw, like we could really make some things work. And then watching that development, that's like, that's like the meaning of life for me. The more times that you can you can do that with somebody and take 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 the tools that you build because when you build a tool you're banging at it with with fire and stone and hammers and, and blood and sweat. You know? I'm saying yeah, and then you have it in in life when it comes to to psychology like that. You have that tool that you can like magically duplicate and hand off to somebody else, so that That's they don't true, have to yeah. build it on their own and go through that same strife you did building that tool like that, man, that's what we're supposed to be doing here. From my perspective, that's my job. I wanna, I've got a really, really cool tool that I wanna distribute to as many people as I can. And you are one of the people that picked up that tool. And I remember feeling like there were third party scrub scraps veterans based on, based on Ray. There were other people like he was hosting training sessions for other people to get them involved that I came over and kind of sharpened up from time to time. Just just beautiful, beautiful experience. Ray awesome. did say he had to go to a fair at 1110 and his wife was uh, pretty adamant that they would leave by 1110. I don't know if his phone dropped at 1110 or if his wife dropped his phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, but that was great. And this has been a great show. Excellent. Nice yeah, meet. thank you, Ray. Thank you, Ray, for yeah. coming on. I, yep. Thanks, Ray, for joining us. Thank you, Jared and Joe, for talking fights with me. <laughs> always fun. Always great. You're the best. But uh, that's going to do it for Throwing Jabs this week. Make sure you tune in. Watch fights tonight. Make sure you tune in next week as we recap those fights. The Castano upset. And talk about all the other fights to come. So that's going to do it for Throwing Jabs. Make sure you check out CloverCrestMedia.com and follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. We'll see you next week for more Throwing Jabs. Take care. Throwing jabs, always full sand. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing weight. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and weave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bring in crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs
Hello, my name is Joe Aguirre. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meat, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.